We are in John chapter 14. One of the most beloved chapters in the Bible. And I'm going to start with the first verse again. Since I haven't been here in a couple weeks, I need to read it again for myself and be encouraged by it. And all of us need to hear it again. John 14, Jesus speaking on the night before he's going to go to the cross, trying to give some hope and encouragement to his disciples. And he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And when everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am going. And you know the way to where I'm going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would have known who my Father is. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking for me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the works you have seen me do. If this is something that's grabbing your attention today and you want to um, dig a little further into the fact that Jesus is claiming to be co-equal with God the Father, then I encourage you to go to crosspoint.cc and click on the little drop-down where it has sermons, and you can go back and see some titles and pick these messages up that have brought us to this point in this passage. But we're not through yet, because i got to remind you of what we talked about two weeks ago, and that's in the next couple of verses. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. Now that would have been amazing as I told you last week. That would have been amazing in and of itself for Jesus to tell his disciples they will do the same things he's been doing. But no, he takes it even a step further and says, in fact, you're going to go on to do greater works than I have done. And we looked at that two weeks ago. And then the two verses that are um, the theme for today. After he says that about doing greater works, he says, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. That's what we're going to look at today. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, I pray that you would enable me by your grace to speak some words of truth and some words that would encourage and challenge at the same time. Help us to come to new understandings of what this means to pray for anything in your name. And we will be grateful for it, because we pray it in the name of Christ. Amen. So let's just cut to the chase. It says anything. Anything. Can we pray for anything in Jesus' name? Anything. Anything at all. 
have a little story. It's about a little boy named Johnny. He's about five years old. He's wanting a, a, a baby brother. So he goes to his dad one day, says, Dad, I think I'd like to have a baby brother. And his dad very wisely says, Johnny, if you'll pray for about three months every night for a baby brother, I can pretty much guarantee you that God's going to answer that prayer. Well, Johnny didn't know what his dad was saying, but his dad did, of course. But Johnny was thrilled with that, and he started to pray every night. Every night when he'd go to bed, he would start praying for a baby brother. After nothing happened for a couple of months, he started wondering what was going on, and he went to some of his neighborhood friends and said, hey, you ever hear about praying for something like that and just getting the answer? And his friends kind of said, what kind of a dummy are you? You can't pray for a baby brother or whammo. You just get a baby brother. And little Johnny became discouraged, and he stopped praying that night. Lo and behold, about a month later, Johnny's mother went to the hospital, and when they came home, the dad called Johnny into the mom's bedroom and pulled back a blanket, and lo and behold, there was not one but two baby brothers there. Johnny's eyes got about as big as saucers. His dad said to him, now, aren't you glad you prayed? He says, yeah, I am, Dad, but aren't you glad I quit praying when I did? <laughs> and little Johnny's faith and prayer was restored. <laughs> I need to read that verse again. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Anything? Is this an invitation to pray for a baby brother and expect that God's going to do it? <laughs> what if little Johnny wanted a hoverboard or an iPhone? Is it, would it have been appropriate for him to ask for a hoverboard or an iPhone or whatever? That's what we're dealing with today. We're trying to grapple with. We need to come to grips with that. Does it mean anything, really? Anything? Would it have been okay for the dad? Uh, what, what if the dad wanted a brand new car and decided to pray for a car? Well, no, a truck. Let's say he wanted a Dodge Ram with a Hemi and all the bells and the whistles. Would it have been appropriate for the dad to pray for a brand new Dodge truck? Anything? Does it really mean anything? And I think that Crosspoint people are astute enough to know that you can't take one word and lift it off the page of Scripture out of its biblical and historical context to claim that we can pray for anything and expect the answer to our prayer the way we pray it. I think you guys are astute enough to know that. But beyond the appropriateness of praying a prayer for anything is... Um, the difficult position it would put in God to answer prayers like that. Have you ever thought about this? If different people, well, just, well, just let me illustrate this. Johnny was praying for a baby brother. Now, what if because Johnny was a complete hellion, if I might use that word, his mom and dad had been praying all along, we don't want any more kids. Then what's God going to do? Because he, on the one hand, he's got Johnny saying, I want a little brother, and mom and dad's over here, I don't want a little brother or a little kid. What is God going to do in a case like that or a million other cases that are put before God every day in this world with situations like that? And a lady by the name of um, Virginia Whiteman wrote a book. And uh, just to make a long story short, I think she hit the nail on the head when she says, Our finite minds cannot encompass all the ramifications of a single situation. But God can, and he must act accordingly, justly, 
and impartially for the benefit of all according to His will. God will act according to His will. When he hears Johnny on the one hand, I want a brother, and mom and dad on the other, I'm, we're done. <laughs> He's going to act according to his will, because God knows the future and what his plans are. So it's not only not appropriate to ask for anything, I mean, you can ask for anything, but you can ask for anything, yeah. Don't always expect God to answer the way you ask and what you ask for. Because oftentimes it puts God's on the horn of, horns of a dilemma, right? And she says, according to his will, which points us back to the biblical context, in the historical context, to unpack this promise that Jesus is giving. Because the first thing that we want to notice is that we can ask for anything, and then with the qualification, in his name. Anything in his name. And in his name... Golly, if you Google that, you'll find sermon after sermon after sermon on what that means. And I'll try to just unpack it kind of quickly. Back then, in Bible times, in New Testament times, a name was used for more than just to distinguish one person from another. Back then, a name came to be associated with the person's character and their mission in life. And you have all these disciples back then following various kinds of rabbis. And if they're wanting to do something in their rabbi's name, then they look at their rabbi and they have the character of their rabbi and they try to pull off what the rabbi is trying to do in his mission work. And that's how they um, do something or glorify their rabbi in the rabbi's name. They look at his character and they try to emulate that. So when it, Jesus says in his name... It means more than just simply, okay, in the name of Jesus. And it's like a magic incantation we end our prayers with and expect God's going to answer it. That's not what he's talking about here. If I can make it modern, I guess I'm looking at Alan Robbins over there. Al, I hope you don't mind if I pick on you in a little bit. Alan has the name Alan Robbins that distinguishes him for the rest of us. But back in New Testament times, if people looked at Alan and they would say, well, if I'm going to do something in Alan's name, then I need to look at Alan's character and see what he does, and I'll try to do what he does. And so they would look at Alan and say, well, he's a, he gives his, a lot of his time and energy to helping the people of Chippewa Lake. He's in the lions. He's the grand polar bear. So if I'm going to do something in his name, I'm going to try to emulate the kind of things that Alan does. And that's what Jesus is talking about here when he says, you can ask for anything as long as it's in my name. In other words, it presupposes that the person who's making a request in his name is making a request that's congruent with his character and his mission. You get it? That's what Jesus says when you can ask for anything in my name. As long as the things that we're asking for are congruent with Jesus' character and his mission. He taught his disciples the same thing on another occasion when they said to him, teach us how to pray, Jesus. And he said, okay, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed or honor be to your name. And what's that mean? The next line. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So whenever I think of this prayer promise of Jesus, you can ask anything in my name. I'm reminded to think about the Lord's prayer. In his name, honor be to your name. How can we do that? May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so, we are invited to pray for anything that will glorify 
magnify, enhance, encourage, or therefore bring about God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That's Jesus' prayer promise. He's promising you can ask anything in my name that goes along with helping me accomplish my mission on earth through the church. Okay. To be sure, we are invited to pray other kinds of prayers. Um, Paul's letter to the Philippians comes readily to mind. Uh, Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Thank God and tell Him what you need. And when you do, the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Yes, we're invited to pray other kinds of prayers for healing, for peace. We're we're invited to ask God anything that causes us to worry or that's on our mind, but notice that Paul doesn't say he's going to answer your prayer just like you requested it. No, he's going to give you peace, though, just because you're praying. Just because you're praying, you're going to be filled with this indescribable peace because you're turning it over to the Lord. But in this case, when Jesus says, ask for anything in my name, in his name means something congruent with his character, and his mission on the earth through the church. So the kinds of things that Jesus is imploring us to pray about here are things for our future in the kingdom of God. I uh, also need to mention in the biblical context that I'm almost 99 and 44% sure that this verse is coming off what he just said about greater works. You're going to do greater works, so ask anything in my name. It reflects right back to what we looked at two weeks ago. And last week, two weeks ago, when we looked at that, we saw that the book of Acts is the fulfillment for Jesus' prediction about them doing greater works. And we mentioned some of the things in the book of Acts that fulfilled Jesus' promise. The same thing with this prayer. When you read the prayers... In the book of Acts, all of the prayers in the book of Acts have to do with enlarging the kingdom of God. I'll give them to you. Acts 1, the disciples ask for wisdom to choose Judas's replacement. Acts 2, they pray for the promised coming of the Holy Spirit so that they might be able to accomplish Jesus' work. Acts 4.29, And now, O Lord, give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Acts 6, the next prayer, they are asking God to bless the ministry of the first six deacons. Acts 7, the next prayer that appears in the book of Acts, Stephen, one of those deacons, is being stoned, and as he's dying, looks up to the Lord and says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The next prayer is in Acts 8, where Peter and John are praying for new converts to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 12, they are praying that Peter might be freed from prison so that he might be able to continue preaching the gospel. Acts 13, the last prayer, the believers at the church in Antioch are praying for Paul and Barnabas to be successful in reaching people for Christ as they embark on their first missionary journey. 
if you look at all the prayers and acts, you don't find anybody praying for a baby brother or a new Dodge Ram truck. Every prayer in the book of Acts is tied in with praying for something that will enable God's kingdom to come to earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're invited to pray for in this verse, in this verse. Our president went to a prayer meeting, the annual prayer meeting this last week. And it's interesting that I read it, you know, it's been going on for quite a time. Abraham Lincoln went to a prayer meeting uh, back in his time. And uh, at one point, one of the ministers said to Mr. Abraham Lincoln, Mr. President, let us pray that God is on our side. This was a union general that said that. Let us pray that God is on our side. And Abraham Lincoln's response showed far greater insight when he said, no, gentlemen, let us pray that we are on God's side. And Abe reminded those ministers that prayer is not a tool by which we get God to do what we want, but rather an invitation to open ourselves to being and doing what God wants to do in our lives individually and collectively as the church. These are the kind of prayers that Jesus is asking us to pray. I'll give you a modern-day example now. Uh, Erwin McManus is a pastor down in Texas who wrote a book called An Unstoppable Force. It's a book about prayer. And he wrote this book because of the faithful prayers of his congregation. Let me tell you about it. They're down in Dallas, Texas. It's this new startup church maybe 25 years ago. They start to slowly grow. And they reach the point where maybe we can uh, buy our own land and build a church building someday. They're, right now they're meeting in some rented space or something like that. So they begin to pray that some kind of land would become available. And lo and behold, a real estate agent came to them to tell them that there was an acre of land for sale right down, down, downtown, that is, Dallas, Texas. And it's unusual that nobody's bought this property yet because it's pretty valuable, yet they're not asking very much. And the congregation decided, we want to put that in our sights, and we want that piece of land if we can get it, if, we, if they can wait a couple years before it sells. And we'll, so we'll pray about that. We'll start to save money. And so he says that many of his congregation, many of whom were on welfare, began to give very generously, and they began to accumulate funds, and they came up with enough funds that they were able to buy that piece of property. Then they began to pray that they would continue to collect some funds and that they'd be able to build a building on it someday. About two years later, they came where they was going to start working on this, and they went to the building department to draw building permits to build a building. And lo and behold, they were told when they went to the building department that nobody could build on that property because it was built on a landfill. Wow, how disheartening to find that out. And Pastor Irwin McManus was just heart sick over the wasted time and money. And now they understood why that property sat there for so long. Nobody wanted a property that was built on a landfill. He says, we discovered that we had bought an acre full of garbage. We had soil samples dug ourselves 25 feet down into the earth, and all we found was trash. And all I could do was ask the people of our church to pray that God would somehow take one of the biggest blunders in church history, he said, and get something good out of it. And so we began to pray. And we prayed and prayed and prayed, and after six months, one of the ladies of the congregation came to see me one day and said, 
Dr. McManus, we've been praying for six months. Don't you think it's time to do something? And he said, well, what do you think we should do? And she said, let's take another core sample. And they sent somebody down there to take another core sample, and they found solid soil. And the long story short is they built a building on that property. And Dr. McManus wrote this in the book that I told you about. How did this happen, he said. Was it because the core sample was in a different part of the land? Or could it be that God had actually performed a miracle and changed the landfill to good land? What I do know is that the same realtor who sold the property to us came back and offered three times the amount he had sold it for once he heard that there was clearance for us to build a building. What I do know is that the previous owners could not build on that property, but we could. What I cannot tell you is what happened beneath the ground at 2815 Irvay Street in Dallas, Texas. All I can tell you is what I know, that Cornerstone Church worships in a building on that acre of land that was once a landfill. Now, I don't know whether you want to believe that story or not. You can go online and read more about it. It's kind of an amazing story. But to me, it's a modern-day example of Jesus' invitation to say, you can pray for anything. You can even pray that that trash heap will become solid ground, and I'll make it so. He invites us to pray for things that he's going to get behind it. He's going to make wonderful things happen. And I'm just challenging you today. My friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, you're known as prayer warriors. Every time I get a prayer request like I did from Jim and Lindsay this week, I always title that to Prayer Warriors at Cross Point Community Church. Because you are. And when people like Jim have asked for prayers, sometimes, not always, but sometimes, you get miraculous answers and we pray. I'm asking you to pray today on behalf of the church. Behalf of the church. I put an insert in your worship folder today that you should take a look at, really. I challenge you, I'm imploring you um, with all I've got today to ask all of us to pray for the future of our church. I know that there's a handful. I know them by person. I could point them out right now, but they would be embarrassed because they're very humble people. And I know that they've told me that they pray for our church every day. But wouldn't it be wonderful if everybody at Cross Point would pray every day for the future of Cross Point Community Church in the ways that I've listed on that insert where I've invited you to pray for our church, where I've invited you to pray for our community, and thirdly, where I've invited you to pray for our mission to this community. If you would take that home and put it on your refrigerator or on your kitchen table or wherever you see that every day, put it in your Bible. Don't tuck it away in the middle of it because you won't find it then. Tape it to the outside or something like that so it'll be readily visible. And just pray every day for our future in the ways that I've listed there. It's no telling what God's going to do in our future. And you know what happens if we don't ask and don't pray? Who can tell me what won't happen? Nothing will happen if we don't pray. Nothing will happen if we don't pray. Nothing. James has a little verse in chapter 4, verse 2, and he says, you have not because you ask not. That really stuck with me this week, because I'm going to tell you right now, I don't pray in the way on that insert every day on behalf of our church. I let it get away from me. And I'm committing with you today, though, to doing so. 
Because when I read that, word, that verse in James this week, man, it really hit me hard. You have not, Randy, because you ask not. And who knows what God has in our future? We don't know what God has in our future, but it's something great that He has in store. And we just need to ask Him. We just need to ask Him. I was reading about a guy who passed away. He went to heaven. The angel came to give him a tour. He took him to a warehouse full of boxes. The guy said, what are all those boxes in there? Those are all the prayers that God was ready to answer, but he didn't answer them. He didn't send them down because you didn't ask for them. Good little story. Dr. Tony Evans. Anybody ever listen to Dr. Tony Evans? Yeah, he's a great preacher, isn't he? Oh, man, he is just so awesome. I love Tony Evans. And he's telling this story. He was preaching a revival, a Billy Graham-style revival. It was down in South Carolina at South Carolina University's college football stadium. It's packed with thousands of people. It's a Billy Graham-type event. He's getting ready to pray or preach um, at this revival. It starts to start at 7 o'clock. There's also extremely bad storms predicted to hit right there at that open stadium at 7 o'clock at the same time, exact same time. So some of the leaders and the pastors got together and said, we better pray about this. And Tony Evans says, I noticed that in the prayers of all these church leaders, well, let's put it this way, they prayed very safe prayers. They didn't ask for God in anything other than, God, may your will be done in this situation until Linda stood up. Now, Linda was something else. And Linda stood up and she prayed this. Lord, thousands have gathered to hear the good news about your son. And it would be a shame on your name for us to have all these unbelievers go without hearing the gospel when you are the one who controls the weather and you don't stop it. In the name of Jesus, address this storm, she said. And that was the end of the prayer meeting. And everybody began to get their umbrellas out because they were all looking at these dark clouds moving in on that stadium. And somebody was sitting next to Linda with an umbrella and said, you want to get under my umbrella? She goes, nope. She moved right away. She said, watch what happens here. And Dr. Evans says that he and his wife watched as a big dark cloud came right toward the end of that stadium, right out of the west, kind of split, went around both sides of that stadium, and it began to rain on each side of that stadium. Those clouds went on by the other side of that stadium, reunited and moved on to the east, and not one person in that stadium got wet, according to Dr. Evans. And I respect the word of Dr. Tony Evans. I believe he's a faithful and a true man and would never stretch it one bit. Tony Evans pointed out, how did Linda get what the preachers didn't get? How did Linda get what the preachers didn't get? She had the boldness and the shameless audacity to ask. That's what he said. She had the shameless and the boldness, audacity to ask. And James says you ask, have not because you ask not. And I'm just asking all of you today, if we are going to grapple with the words of Jesus, ask anything in my name and I'll do it for you, to know what he's talking about now. I hope and I pray that we're better informed that in that instance, I'm not discounting any other kind of prayers. I'm just saying in that biblical instance, it's very clear that Jesus is talking about ask anything that's going to advance my Father's kingdom because what did he want to say there? Right in with that verse. Just came back to me here. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Why? So that the Son can bring glory to the Father. So the Son can bring glory to the Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Those are the kinds of prayers that we are encouraged to pray in Jesus' name that His kingdom would come in this place, in this community, here on earth as it is in heaven. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for this word of Jesus to us. Um, It's a challenging word, but it's an awfully exciting word to pray and ask for anything. And so, Lord, we covenant together to pray for Your kingdom to come in this area in which we are planted. And if you can use Cross Point Community Church to share your grace with anybody, we will count it as a blessing. And therefore, we want to pray for our church on a daily basis, for all the ways that we just reflected upon that's on that little piece of paper. Lord, help us to have leaders who have wisdom. Uh, Grant us people to follow and grant us followers wisdom in knowing how to follow. Lord, we thank you for this community and pray that you would prepare hearts to receive the seeds of faith that we have the joyous opportunity to plant in the lives of people who don't know you yet. And Lord, bless our ministry as as we give out invitations for people to respond to the various ministries of this church, especially the ministry of worship in your name, that people will respond when we invite them to come with us to church that they will respond. We share with them the little testimonies about how you're at work in our lives. Thank you for the privilege of seeking first your kingdom and counting on the fact that you're going to add everything to it that needs to happen. We pray in the name. In other words, we pray in the character and congruent with the mission of Jesus. Amen.